Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the best place to get your Cal United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. On this episode we've got a lot to unpack, Aaron Hayden's departure, reviewing the Colchester and Sheffield United games, looking ahead to a trip to Swindon Town and a reunion with everyone's favourite pantomime villain this weekend. I've still not quite nailed that uh, intro, have I done? I think I need that still no. like, little gap there. I need to I need to add a few extra words. What, 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 Lee, what Lee's not telling you all is that we've recorded it 48 times tonight. <laughs> yeah, M- messed up the first one, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, um, yeah Dan, how's it going, mate? Uh, first game down. It's nice nice to have been back at Brunton Park with a with big crowd there as well. Yeah, a big crowd. Uh, I still say there was more than what they said, but yeah. you know, it's one of those ones. And I think I think everyone always thinks that, but it's always like one of those ones where actually it's probably not much bigger than you really think. To be honest, I, I don't know. Some of the pictures I saw, this, mm. if that ground holds eighteen thousand, I don't know why you get another eleven and a half. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Okay, then let's get straight into it, Dan. Um, we've got a lot to pack in today. Um, there's not much to cover in terms of the news. We're only going to cover one thing, really, because it's probably going to take up a little bit of time to discuss, at the very least. So let's get right into it. Oh, just before actually before we go any further, the competition is still <laughs> running. Because as I'm lucky. Sod's law would have it. No one has scored for us yet. So um, it, it's rolled over, basically, for a, a third game. You can't take part now, basically, because we, we, we closed it before the first game, because it's a bit unfair, basically, if someone can come in now knowing that players have gone or players are injured and things like that. So so basically, um, once we know who scores uh, the first goal, we'll uh, collect together all those who've guessed that name and we'll pick a winner at random. There you we, go. Will, we will also video the randomizer in the interest of fairness. Yes, yes, we'll definitely do that. Okay, Dan, then let's get on to the news. And well, there's only really one thing to cover here, isn't there really, I suppose? And it, it's got to be Aaron Hayden's departure. He's left to join Moneybags Wrexham, so... It was all looking so calm and serene at Brunton Park, wasn't it? The new season coming up, but there's always going to be a spanner in the works. It's Cal United, yeah. just the way we do things. And uh, obviously, rumours emerged on Friday night, didn't they, Dan? I think we, you, you spotted them at first. I think you messaged me and said, oh, there's a rumour that Hayden's off to, to Wrexham. Yeah, well, I, I got uh, I got a message off someone who's uh, quite well connected. And uh, they they uh, they literally text me what I had just heard from elsewhere and once you know a little bit of digging you know the Wrexham forum and that it was uh, pretty obvious and then obviously you know come Saturday afternoon when he's not in well we, we did for once announce had been in approach on the morning and yeah. uh, obviously when the team came out uh, he wasn't picked which for me was the correct decision you know yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think it would have been fair on either the team or Hayden himself. No, absolutely. It was the right decision not to play him. Um, one of those ones, I'm a bit on the fence about the club sort of announcing it in the morning. In one way, some people say, oh, you, you know, you're killing the, the you know, the big um, build-up to the game and everyone's excitement. But everybody knew something was up, didn't they? It was pretty obvious from the amount of rumours that were going round about it. And obviously, what if he was then not announcing the team? That's all people would be talking about the game. The fact that people already knew means they weren't really talking about it in the same way, were they? So... So there you go. So yeah, so he's uh, he's joined the National League side. Um, he signed a three-year deal uh, for an undisclosed fee 
rumoured to be about 200k. I mean, I know people, a lot of people lose their rag, don't they, about the fact that we announced undisclosed fees. But I mean, how many teams do announce the fees for players? I, I was yeah. looking at transfer, like Peter United signed three players this summer on transfer fees. Don't think they announced the fee for a single one of them. Yeah. What what difference does it make, really? Uh, I mean, I I actually think there should be a transparency and all deals should be open, but I suppose they'll probably claim some sort of rules of business. Well, if if you if you listed on the stock market, you have to announce it anyway, don't you? When you announce yeah. your, your all your um, we're, we're not quite at that results. level yet, though, are we? No, not quite, not quite, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, he's left the club after making seventy four appearances in all competitions and scoring seven goals. Um. Let's have a quick chat about this one, Dan, before we get on to the matches then. Right decision by the club to let him go. Obviously, he's only got a year left on his contract and I think he's made it pretty clear to the club he wasn't going to sign a new deal. And I heard rumours that they tried to get him to sign a deal early in the summer and he just wasn't interested. Um, and then obviously there was the issue in terms of the, the, the captaincy thing. You know, we, we'll touch on that in a minute and... The report is that basically we asked his agent, look, can we make him an offer of a contract? And the agent just turned around and said, don't bother, Wrexham will blow you out of the water. Essentially, they'll they'll better anything you put down. It's the right decision, I think, in the end, isn't it? Once Wrexham were interested, there was no point for me. He was going. Yeah. Yeah. The, they've got Hollywood owners. They're throwing money about for fun. They signed Paul Mullen the other week. You know, Paul Mullen yeah. should be playing in League One this season. You know, I mean... You can't blame Aaron Hayden. Everybody wants to play beside Sean Brisley. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a partnership and a half, won't it? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those ones, isn't it? You've you've got to be a bit realistic about it. If he if he doesn't sign a new deal, he can go for free in the summer because he's because of his age. Yeah, yeah, we're better off just cashing in, cashing in. And, and to be honest, as good a player as he is, two hundred grand for a player who's had one decent season in the EFL. Yeah. At the age of 24, I don't think that's too bad a deal, really. No, no. I mean, reportedly, I, League One clubs were interested, but... I, w- I would also imagine we'll probably have a sell-on put in as well. Yeah, I won't be surprised, to be fair. It's pr- and, pretty standard these days, about 20 yeah. 25%. Yeah, I mean, he's rumoured to have I mean, doubled his wage. I mean, it, for him, it's an absolute no-brainer, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, near, near a home, three years in, you know, the money he'll be making, he'll probably be able to buy his house outright in three years, you know. Yeah. He's set up for life off it. I mean, it's, it, it's insane the amount of money being spent in the National League right now. Oh, isn't it? it's, it's ridiculous. It's out, I well, mean, like, there is on. a whisper that they are going to try and bring in some sort of FPP-type regulations in the National League, hence why all the clubs are chucking around free uh, deals on big money, because I think when the, if they do bring them in, if a player is already at the club, it doesn't count, because yeah. the, the deal was in place already, so... Yeah, basically. I mean, like like, like we saw, Boreham Wood signed... Uh, well, Chesterfield signed that lad from Boreham Wood, didn't they? Yeah, sorry. Chesterfield, Chesterfield from, is it, I think? Like yeah. That. That, well, that, that was rumoured to be 250 grand, you know. Yeah. That's Chester, Chesterfield or Potter the other year. It's just insane, isn't it? It's you just know? absolutely ridiculous the amount of money this And they can't all go up. I mean, I'd, I'd imagine that they're all bidding pretty much every League 2 club. Bar, oh, yeah, yeah. Bar Salford. yeah. I mean, incredible. Uh, as we were saying when we were chatting earlier, wouldn't it be great if a Halifax or someone would. It happens. I mean, look at the last few years. It, it's highly unlikely, but well, it it'd be great, though. wouldn't it? You I mean, know. Macclesfield, the other year, they did it, and they were the lowest budget in the division at that point. Yeah. Sutton yeah. last season were 33 to 1 to win the league. 
it, it yeah. quite often it's not the biggest team that wins the National League. It's a team that's a well put together squad. Yeah, yeah. With a, with a good up and coming manager who just basically gets them playing and playing yeah, consistently. Yeah. That's what often works. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's um, frustrating. Do, do you go out and replace him with a like for like? Or I mean, for me, we'll, we'll get onto the match review bit in a minute. I'm not convinced I'd go after a defender. I'd use well, it for a, an the, the, pro- the problem we've got is we're light at the back. We've got a first-choice pair of full-backs in Tanner and Armour. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Feeney and McDonald, who are centre-backs. Yeah. Then we've got Whelan, who can cover... He can cover all across, but he's more right-sided. Yeah. So if we could get a left-sided Whelan, who can cover left-back and centre-back, that would do me. But would there be an argument there that you could use Dickinson... Uh, left back or left wing back, you could probably use Joe Riley there. We'll get onto it in the match review a bit, but he looked excellent at right back against Sheffield United, and there's nothing to I could. He played at left side on in preseason. I, I could see him be comfortable there. It's one of those ones at our level you can't really afford, look at the start of last season. Max Hunt clearly got that frustrated. He just left the club in the end, didn't he? It's it's difficult to keep four centre-backs happy, isn't it? That, that's the one issue you've got. Well, I don't see it as four centre-backs because the likes of Whelan, the the more you tell it, it's okay saying play Riley and Dickinson. Yes, they'll do jobs there, but then we're taking them from the true position. Because true, but we've got cover Dick, in those positions as well. We have, but then you start chopping and changing every week and there's no rhythm. You know, once once the injuries pick up and the suspensions and whatnot, you know. It's... If, if you bring someone in, though, it's going to have to be someone who's going to be comfortable with being a squad player for now. And have yeah, to work yeah. their way in. You you couldn't bring an experienced player in to sort of sit there and not be involved. No, because no. that's just the way it worked. And I think after Tuesday night, a lot of people have now seen Feeney play a game hmm. and thought, "Oh, hang on, there's a player there." there you know, really I mean, I, I I put a tweet out the other day saying, "You know, come come December, Feeney could make it Aaron who." Yep, he could. He could well. He you, could well. you know, if yeah. he keeps fit and he plays, because we all know he's good enough. You know, yeah. the level the level he was at as a kid. Absolutely. Well, we sort of discussed there the idea of bringing the defender, and I mentioned that I think actually we should use the money. And I've heard the club are actually looking to use the money towards a striker. And a name that's been linked with the club this week, Andy Dallas. Not one many of will have heard of. He was at Cambridge last season. He's well, he's well, done well, much well. at Cambridge. Lee, 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 Lee. He comes from Scotland, of course. He's on my very big list of Scottish players. Indeed, he's your little, uh, your little saved file, your Excel my, spreadsheet. My, my little book. It can't be green because I'm, I'm not that way inclined. <laughs> but uh, where Presley had his little book, I've got my little blue book, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I actually mentioned Dallas when he signed for Cambridge two years ago mm. somewhere, whether it was Twitter or the forum, and I was like, these are the sort of kids we should be looking at. Yeah. You know, leaving the likes of Rangers and Celtic. Even you know, like Hearts uh, and Hibson places. Yeah, well. Ryan Hardy's doing it at Plymouth. Yeah. Uh, Zach Rudden did all right down there and he's scoring goals for fun in Scotland now. You know, Glasgow, it's only an hour and a bit away. You know, these players, they can make good money down here. But Absolutely. Yes, but no, I was just about to say, he's, he's a name that's been linked. Uh, Cambridge manager has said there's been a bid for him. Mm. They haven't said who, and it hasn't really come out, but the only two teams that have really been mentioned are ourselves. There was a little suggestion not to county, but, but the one or two, well, yeah, yeah one or two sort of went, I don't think they'll be spending money. 
it's not just that. He, he actually only signed a new deal with them about a month ago, didn't he? Yeah, think. yeah. Because originally, I think they were potentially going to let him go, but decided to keep him. Because he, he'd not really done that well in his first season with them. Um, we'll touch on actually what he had a good loan spell. I'll talk about that in a sec. But basically, Notts County apparently was shown interest before he signed that contract. Right, and obviously, he turned them down to sign a deal with Cambridge. It would have to be mm. something good for him to consider actually leaving the club, you'd think. But, well, there's rumours he wants to be closer to Glasgow again, which yeah, obviously yeah. is a massive bonus if it is us. Yeah. It could, it could, everyone could be on the wrong trail here, but you know, mm. Chris Beach sort of said, you know, we've got irons in fires today. It wouldn't be the biggest surprise if it was the player and I mean, he's I, coming here. I'd imagine he would be a small fee as well if he's like a squad player there. You may be looking at your 30, 40 grand or something. I, I was going to say 20, 20, and sell on to 20, like 25 to 50 with maybe yeah. uh, a sell on, or, you know. But he had a really good loan spell at Weymouth last season, second half yeah, of the season. Yeah, he went on loan there. Goals. 12 goals in 25 games, so one in every other game. And I, I didn't realise until I checked Weymouth were in the National League last year. I thought they were National South, but... They struggled, but he clearly was a player who helped lift them away from trouble. And yeah, yeah. there's a few people tweet, tweeting saying they watched him for Wayman and said, actually, he looks a really good player. So yeah. potentially, maybe we've got one of, one of those players who might just make a difference. You never know. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the, the new section done now. Let's get on to the match review section. So we've got a couple of games to review here. And as you'd expect, because we've run a competition for people to, to pick the first goal scorer for the season, uh, United have drawn blanks in both of their opening games. But I knew we should have done a guess the crowd. I know, it should have been, should they? But you know what? You know what? Fair play. There's still some encouraging signs in those two games. I don't think we should get too panicky straight away. Um, let's move on first then to the Colchester game, because you were at this one. Uh, I was at both, but you were only at this one. Um Considering all the pre-match disruption with Hayden's departure and obviously Zach Clough picking up an injury in the warm-up, um, they had to change the game plan because it looked like we, we were going to start 4-2-3-1 and they had to switch back to last season's 4-3-3. You should probably maybe take that into consideration and say it's not, not the worst performance in the world, all things considered. I, I, I was having a, a pint with my mate from Colchester afterwards and we both had sort of agreed that the draw was probably about right but we definitely had the better chances to nab it. Mm. And, you know, obviously the Hayden stuff, Clough, you know, niggled in the warm-up. It's not the best preparation, you know. But I, 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 I thought there was a bit of negativity around the result as well. I mean, mm. let's be honest, we've got a clean sheet again. Yeah, and, and actually when you look at their team, and I don't think maybe we focused on this enough last week when we did the preview episode. There's a hell of a lot of quality in there. Especially the experienced lads. They they really do. I mean, Alan Judge was a brilliant player when he was at Brentford and when he was at Ipswich. So, you know, we kept him pretty quiet. I don't think he really did much in the game. And, you know, some of those breakaways, just a little bit more composure and you've got a comfortable 2-0 win or 3-0 win, haven't you? Yeah, so yeah. it's one of those ones, isn't it? I think, I think people should take a lot more into account for the, what happened. To lose two key players literally the day before and the day of the game. In fact, one player was actually in the starting lineup, and then had to pull out after the war. I think that's a, a pretty decent effort that was, to be honest. All things considered, taking that into account, um, defensively, coped pretty well. I think we were pretty comfortable, weren't we? I think Norman had a couple of saves to make, but nothing really that you'd say, "Oh, you know, that's come from a complete defensive cock-up, or we've let them in too easily." I, no, I, 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 I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah. 
He had a decent one in the first half from memory. Yeah, I think that was, was a volley from the judge, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and there was one in the second half, but he looked pretty comfortable with it, didn't he? Yeah, definitely. And in terms of the defence, uh, Corey Whelan, considering that Beach said after the game, I didn't really bring him into play centre-back, but having watched that today, maybe that's going to be his role in the team. I thought he was excellent. There was one moment, I think, where he, he pulled the lad back three times and got himself booked, didn't he? <laughs> it's basically in the space of 10 seconds. Yeah. He was getting away, which was probably a clever foul when you look back at it. But maybe that's a little bit of naivety from playing that position. But that considered, I thought he was excellent. And actually, you know what? A lot of people won't give him credit for it, but I thought Rod McDonald was superb as well at centre-back. I don't think Newblade won a header all afternoon. No, I thought I thought the entire defence played well. You know, yeah. that considering there were... You know, I mean, Whelan probably wasn't starting the game until Friday night. He came in, he was strong. Uh, McDonald, you know, he looked steady. The full-backs looked decent. I think it was important they played well because Guy was quiet, wasn't he? They did the homework on him. Absolutely. This is someone I've picked out and you've clearly spotted it as well, that... We were saying during the game, I was, I was cracking. My mate Rob came to the game. It was his first game in about four or five years. And he, I was raving to him about how good Guy was. And there was a period of about 10, 20 minutes in the first half where he was dominating the game and he was making us tick. And then they just stuck someone on him and he didn't get anywhere near as much of the ball. And yeah. it, it made a big difference to us. And he said to me, he said to me, I can, they've, they've clearly done the homework at half time because Guy's getting barely any of the ball now. Really, really clever play, to be fair, by Colchester. You've got to give them a bit of credit there. And yeah, yeah. Mellish was busy there, wasn't he? I think it's fair to say. He was uh, putting himself about. <laughs> this one I think he did very well not to get a second yellow in the second half. There was there was one not long after the first one, and I thought, that's your warning. And then he put another one in. I was like, oh, Christ. And, you know, somehow we never. But he uh, was busy, but he had he annoyed me a little on Saturday. I don't know why he just... I, I thought it was a red card waiting to happen in that second half. Yeah, I really did. I, I thought he actually controlled himself fairly well by that one that you mentioned. I don't think he was too bad. What I'd say is it, it's really good to see that he's not sort of lost that touch in terms of getting into good areas and getting yeah, yeah. He's He was basically the one who looked like he was most likely to you know, get a goal-scoring chance or something like yeah. that. I mean... In the first half, he probably should have had a penalty, really. He was cleaned out by their play when he set up Alessandra. I'm not sure why the refs not took a look at that and given the pen. But there you go. Yeah. Um, the problem is most of the chances fell to his wrong foot, didn't they? Yeah. There's one in the first half, he side-footed straight to George. Yeah. The one when he was through on goal, he just... All the papers reported that as Whelan for some reason. Did they? Yeah, yeah I read sorry, it in a couple of reports. Whelan side-footed at the keeper, and I'm thinking, no, he never... Yeah, it was definitely Mellish that. Yeah. But um, the, the, the one second half where there was that breakaway with Joe Riley, and I, I just felt, when I saw it, I thought, Mellish is fl- flying down the right, but he's left-footed. Abrahams is flying down the left, he's left-footed. The obvious pass to me would have been to Abrahams, because he would have been going yeah. through comfortably on his right fo- on his correct foot, and I think he would have had a better chance of scoring. Whereas Mellish, you always got the impression he was just trying to dig it out of his feet, wasn't he? He just couldn't quite get it done, and then... Yeah. Later on, you had the other chance, obviously, with Abraham's forced the first save from Shamal George, who turned into peak Lev Yashin again. And uh, the follow-up from Mellish, that was a brilliant save, to be fair. Just instinct. Stuck yeah, his hand yeah. out and, and palmed it away. And you, at that point, you just thought, yeah, it's, it's not going to be our day, is it? There's yeah, no way we're yeah. scoring in this match. So 
Never mind. But but yeah, no, I think it's good to see. I think once he gets a goal, he's going to go on another run. I, I just can't see anything other than that. I think once he gets a, hits the back of the net. Um, in terms of attack, there's a lot of endeavour up there, a lot of hard work, but they looked a bit powder puff, didn't they? They didn't. You didn't really ever have confidence that any of them were probably going to score. Mm. I mean, it could just be the, the getting used to each other, you know. But disruption without Clough as well. Yeah, yeah, because obviously they're trained around having yeah. him probing. But uh, I thought Alessandro was tidy as usual. Did his stuff. Yeah, it's with him. My mate Rob made this point again as well. He said. I can see he's a good player, Alessandro. I can see he's a clever player and he does really good little things. But if you're going to have him playing as your striker for most of the season, you won't go up. Yeah. Because you won't get enough goals. And that's no yeah. fault of his because that's not what he's really in there to do. No, he's, Alessandro's a second striker to me. Yeah. He always has been, you know. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll get eight to ten goals, mm. but it would be providing more to someone beside him. Yeah. We, we stuck pretty strongly to the direct style of play, didn't we, as well, Dan? Mm. And it, it's it, it's one of those things, it worked so well last season because we had the players to, to, to use it, didn't we? And mm. I mean, Coyote won so many aerial balls. I mean, Patrick is a big lad and he could win a lot in the air as well. And obviously we saw with Zanzala. I just never got the impression with this front three they were ever comfortable with high balls being played up to them. And Dickinson in particular, I really felt for him because I actually thought Dickinson had a really good game. He looked live and he looked like the player most likely to create something. Whipped some great balls into the box. But we kept lo- launching long balls up to him. And I thought, he's never going to... And he didn't win a single one of the headers. So we really need to probably rethink about that, don't we? I think. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those ones. No, it's a bit, bit of a waste punting it high to Dickinson because he'd be better off winning, the, you know, getting onto the second balls and beating his man, you know. I mean, he's got the ability to beat his man, hasn't he? I think two yeah, or three yeah. times. He just, he just gets it. And he, it's almost... It's quite like Matty Robson, actually, in the way he plays, isn't it? He's not probably mm, mm. bags of skill, but he's got such power about the way he runs at players yeah, that he genuinely yeah. terrifies them. And he can put a good ball into the box, probably similar quality of what Granger used to do for us. So hopefully, once he sort of gets settled and maybe if we get another forward in, he can create a few bits. Yeah. Um, I sort of picked up Magnus Norman here as well. I think he, he had a decent game in terms of his actual goalkeeper. His handling were pretty good and... Actually, when he was throwing the ball out, he, he created... His throw's huge, isn't it? It's huge. It's really good. He's kicking. Uh, we're going to end up using this phrase a lot this season. Is this the Hanford effect? Because he shanked about 80 90% of them out of play for yeah. throw-ins. That's not a great sign. And we, I think if we're going to be playing that direct style, we need to accept that we've got a little bit of a downgrade now in terms of the ball coming out from the keeper from what we had with Farman. Because Farman could... You put the ball back under pressure to farm at any point, he will boot it up the pitch, really. Yeah. Guarantee yeah. you that. Norman's not going to do it the same way. That's that's just reality. Nothing you can do about that. Jensen was fairly similar against Sheffield United, to be honest. So you accept that's the issue. You Maybe you have to look then to start playing a bit shorter, maybe, in terms of the goalkeeper, rather than going long every single time. Maybe you, what you do is you, you use McDonald and get him to sort of loft the ball forward. He overhit it a few times at the weekend, but you could see what he was trying to do a lot of the time in terms of his long balls to the channels, I think. Okay, then let's move on to the Sheffield United game then, Dan. Um, you might want to sort of almost quiz me on this one because you obviously didn't make it to the game because obviously you have to work. I managed to get over there, went with uh, John McGee. Obviously, many people may know him from Twitter. Um, good day out, enjoyed it. It was a decent little game and 
you know, I, I saw some of the reaction on the message board, and we were talking about it on the way back. Actually, we were driving. John was reading the message board. We were like, I, I don't, I couldn't get the reaction of some of our fans in terms of like, oh, I, if if I was going to the game and I saw that team sheet, I'd think it was a disgrace, and I'd be fuming, and I'd be. Didn't get that impression at all from the fans over there. Not even in the slightest. I, I found actually the fans were, were quite excited to see some of the young lads playing games. You know, getting their, their full debuts in Lewis Bell's case, and we we. We we worked it out, didn't we? I think the average age was about twenty one and a half. Yeah, round about which, that. I think it was. Which must be one of the youngest teams we've ever put out. I mean, your back four, your oldest player in there was um, was Feeney at twenty two, <laughs> which, which which says a lot. Or oh, back five, even sorry, I should say. In fact, no, sorry, back five would be Riley to be twenty four, but yeah, your back yeah. three, your oldest player was Feeney at twenty two. Yeah, yeah, which is astonishing when you think about it. And that, that was yeah. his first. Probably his first full ninety minutes as a professional, I would have thought. I'm not sure he yeah, played many yeah. games of Sunderland, did he? So, no, not yeah. at all. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, no. I think most people were quite excited, and the three young lads didn't do themselves any harm, to be honest. You know, they. they it's interesting the, the way we played first half, three four three. It was almost. It, it was good in terms of restricting Sheffield United, who had a lot of the ball, which you'd expect because. Jukanovic's teams always have a lot of the ball. They always yeah, have to. Yeah, yeah. So that's not a massive surprise. And with the gap between divisions, you can expect that. But they didn't really have that many clear-cut chances. We kept them fairly quiet. But it really did stifle what we could do in attack. But yeah, yeah. what impressed me in terms of that was, you've got three young lads in there. Who, you know, not in Charles' case, but I think in Dixon and Bell's case, if you take away the, the, paint, the pizza trophy, what you want to call it, they... They were making their full debuts, and yet they were tactically really disciplined, and they really played the game well. And I mean that'll probably impress Beach as much as anything, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's a little bit of a test for them, and you know they'll probably come through. With, I wouldn't say flying colours, but certainly with uh, you know good report cards, and he'll sort of learn that he'll he'll be able to trust these players if he does bring them on in in league games. You know, maybe look at them to. You know, open a game up and get us a winner or defend the lead or, you know. Yeah, and in Lewis Bell's case as well, it was impressive to see how he coped in terms of having a go at a, you know experienced defender in Basham as well. Yeah, his yeah. Side. And he looked, yeah. He looked pretty comfortable. He's a little bit shy early on. I think he's still got to learn a bit, you know, be a bit more confident about himself because he's got the ability. He played one lovely little pass through to Riley at one point to set up a chance. But, yeah, he just needs maybe a little bit more confidence in himself in terms of that sort of stuff. Um, Dixon maybe needs to be a bit more confident in his tackling as well. And you, you can understand with the two bad injuries he's had that he's maybe not going to fly into tackles in the same way some players might. But he maybe just needs to be a little bit more committed into them. But other than that, his, his passing range was excellent. He really, really impressed me in terms of that. Um, in terms of the back three, you've touched on one already, but Morgan Feeney... He, he, he looks a good player. He yeah, really, yeah. really does. You can see a bit of quality there. And I mean, what was the combined value of their strikers? If oh. you take away Sharp, I mean, Sharp's about a million pounds, but just leave that to one side. But yeah, McBurney and Brewster. 20 million a piece or something, yeah, isn't it? 43 million, something like yeah. that. It didn't make them look like players are worth that much. They, yeah. they genuinely kept them so quiet. He wouldn't, every header against McBurney is a big lad, puts himself about. And. I mean, Bruce has scored their goal, but my God, he was absolute toilet. He was genuinely one of the worst strikers I've seen in a long time. 
I, I could have scored the chance he had, to be fair. That, that's yeah, how easy it yeah. was. So. But, um, but yeah, no, the, the, Feeney had a great game. He, you, could, you could see he's got a bit of cap- captain quality about him as well because he was very much marshalling Armour and Tanner because it must have been tough for them thinking, well, we're going to be playing centre-back and we're both yeah, full-backs. Yeah. And of the two of them, Armour looked a little bit shaky. But I tell you what, you would never have guessed that was George Tanner's first game playing at centre-back for us. He looked so cool, calm, composed. Second half when he moved to be one of the back four as a centre-back. Again, you wouldn't have noticed the difference, really. He was that good. Genuinely yeah, yeah. really impressed. But we both agree he's a quality player, don't we? And he's got the ability to do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, um, it, again, it sort of shows the usefulness of our players. Yeah. The fact that they all played in so many different positions. I mean, I think was it first half, Charters was essentially, was he a left wing back? Was he it? was left wing back, yeah. Um, it was almost like left midfield, but he was sitting fairly deep at times. But... Yeah, he, he had another good game as well. He looked good when he moved to, to centre midfield too. Yeah, and, and I'm just looking for your notes here. Again, Riley, you know, I mean, he played all over the pitch by the sound of it. And... Uh, he was he was outstanding. He maybe had a, maybe not a point to prove, but he maybe he wanted to show Sheffield United, you know, because he only played about two or three games for them, didn't he? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, his bad injury. And apparently, from the, what Sheffield United lad said on the podcast at the weekend, he said... You know, he was quite fondly thought of there because he looked good from the few games he played and he was just unlucky yeah, yeah. with his injury. But he, I mean, he was just outstanding. The amount of ground he covered and got up and down and and putting tackles in. I mean, for, for a short lad, he, and he's so tough. He really is. And I genuinely think, you look at that and you think, we don't really need any cover as a right back, definitely, because you've got Wheeling, you've got Tanner, and you've obviously got um, Riley as well now. I like to see. I, I genuinely think he could do a job at left back as well because he, he he looks so comfortable and confident on the ball. I don't think you'd have any concerns about playing him on the wrong side, so to speak. Yeah, uh, we've got about half a dozen players now who can all cover these various positions, mm. haven't we? Because we know Divine can, you know, when fit can play midfield, full back. We know we know Tanner can play both sides. Whelan can play the back. Mm. Riley can play two, three. We've got quite. A, I'm trying to figure the word for it. Yeah, quite a sort of flexible squad, isn't it? Almost? Yeah, it's expansive. A, you know, yeah. it's. I mean, did Divine play centre back against Cheltenham as well for a little bit? I think. I can't remember now. I seem to remember he did just for a short while at the end of the season. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like you said, we've got so many players who can adapt to play different positions. That, that's going to be a positive because that means when you look to add additional players. What you want to add, you want to add quality that's going to be starting and it's for a set position, like a striker. That That's why I think that should really be the priority, really, to get a forward in rather than looking at a defender. But I'd still bring a defender, maybe a lone player in to, to cover at the back, but I don't know. Mampala, um, you can see there's something there. You really can. He's exciting. He gets on the ball. He likes these little tricks and stuff, but he's still very raw. You can see he's not had any real first team experience to date. You can still see he's maybe there's a couple of times where he dawdled a little bit and you thought, you're not in the under 23s now, lad. You're gonna have to wake up. Yeah. But um but generally I think there's a good player there. I just I think we've got to be careful not to be expecting him to be starting too many games early on. I think he's gonna be an impact sub to start. I've, I've compared him previously to Patrick and his sort of style and the way he plays, where he runs at plays and his little tricks and stuff and the way he sort of puts the ball into the box. But in comparison, Patrick, when he arrived, looked ready, didn't he? He looked like he was ready for League Two football. I'm not sure Mampala quite is yet. I'm not saying he's a million miles off, 
But I think there's probably a little bit of work to do. It'll, it'll just be a bit of adjustment, Warner. He's on. Yeah. He's literally only played sort of under 23, so... Yeah. And, uh, and quickly, touch on Toure. I mean, I didn't realise till after the game that Toure is only 27. I thought he was about 29 for some reason. I feel bad now because I've been saying that, I think, on a few podcasts recently. But you know what? Fair play to him. He, he, he did a great job in terms of supporting charters, uh, left wing back, obviously knowing that he's a young lad who's not really played that position that mm-hmm. much. He got back, he, he won a fair bit and he was linking play really well. He, he looked our biggest threat in terms of beating him early on in the game. We just didn't get the ball to him often enough and I think sometimes we've just got to get the ball into his feet and just say, have a go at them. You you have a go, you run at them, you, you make yeah, something yeah. happen. That's what you really want to see, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. And, you know, we, we, we've we've sort of touched on it before. Toure could well be one of those players who sort of thrives off crowds. Yeah. And, you know, there was a good following Tuesday night and, you know, he's... he's 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 going to get support, you know. I mean, the, the paddock love nothing better than a winger who beats his man and does yeah. a few tricks. So, yeah. you know, let let's uh, hope, hopefully he's uh, he's on the road to showing uh, improvement from last season. Yeah, they love them until they lose the ball, and then <laughs> yeah. then they get the abuse. So. The paddock arm comes out. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah. So now we we made those subs in the second half, and they did give us a lift. To be fair, Melish. I mean, I think their midfield were like, who the hell is this lad? Cause he was yeah. he was late Saturday, but he didn't manage to get booked. He was he was just bustling into players and winning the ball. And they were like, bloody hell, what, what, what's he like? Uh, Dickinson, again, put a brilliant ball into the box late on. And Abrams really should have... It's one of those ones. If Mellish was on the end of it, I think that's 1-1. One, one. Ball's in the back yeah, of the net because yeah. he's so confident with it. I just don't get the impression that Abrams is overly confident in terms of heading the ball. He's probably somebody he's going to have to work on a little bit. He... he He's got some lovely touches, Abraham's, but so far, he doesn't look like he quite works in the way we're trying to play at the moment without Clough. So I do wonder if it's one of those ones maybe you take him out of the team just for a little bit until Clough is fit. It's a tough one. Decisions. Who'd be a manager? Who would? Who would indeed? Well, I think that pretty much wraps up the match reviews then, Dan. And yeah, you know, not the best results in the world, but the performances weren't terrible. There's look, Compared to the start of last season when you think we lost 3-0 against Oldham and then 3-0 against... Um, Cambridge it's a much better start isn't it it's much more solid especially when you come to yeah, yeah. disruption before the first games as well yeah yeah and I, I, no no major issues there there's, so. there's certainly, certainly uh, plenty of reasons to be optimistic yeah definitely alright well, let's have a quick break Dan and then we'll be back to preview the Swindon game so we're back in just a sec hi this is George Tanner you are listening to the Brunton Bugle can do everything can't you George you can play right back you can play centre back and he's a good continuity announcer for us as well. Lovely stuff, <laughs> lovely stuff. Uh, before we get on to the uh, preview section, just a quick reminder that uh, this season, the second half of the show has been sponsored by the Carl United Supporters Club at London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Carl United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore. And of course, every part of London and the South East. And they've got a few in Cumbria as well. There's nothing to stop you if you're back home joining them too. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and supporters games and they do a lot of fundraising for the club as well. They've bought some equipment and stuff in the past, haven't they? I think for Dolly and stuff like that. We're back in the Yeah, game. they're, uh, they're very, very organised with that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they'll be providing us with information for away games as part of the preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. And before I go on to the uh, Swindon Town chat bit, I will quickly get up the um, the pub that's been recommended for this weekend. 
if my computer loads, it's taken a little while here. Uh, for Swin, it's the glue pot. So the glue pot is the recommended. <laughs> oh, great name for a pub. Terrific, isn't it? Be, even better if it was next to a horse racing track, wouldn't it? That'd be a superb <laughs> yeah. effort. That. So the glue pot. That's the recommended pub for this weekend if you're going down to Swindon. Well, uh, what what we'll do is we'll put a tweet up with uh, a picture and a little Google Maps link. Yeah, definitely, we'll get that. Up. Uh, okay, so before we get onto the main preview bit, uh, first up, I caught up with Rich from the Loathed Strangers Swindon Town podcast this week to see how the Robin fans are feeling after what I think can only be described as a crazy summer for the club and why there's quite a lot of renewed optimism around the county ground uh, following the end of the protracted takeover saga. So here's the chat I had with Rich earlier in the week. Is it fair to say it's been quite a hectic last 12 months at Swindon Town? I mean, what are your realistic hopes and expectations for this season after what's gone on over the, the last year or so? Yeah, hello, Lee. It's uh, good to be on. Um, it's been an exhausting 12 months, more so the last six, I would say. Um, it's been one that I wouldn't wish on our biggest enemies, to be honest, because there were really, really serious parts of the summer where we didn't know where we would be in terms of our existence. So things are very, very nice right now. Um, in terms of expectations over the season, again, we spent the whole summer going, okay, well, let's stay in the division. Let's try and just, you know, maintain that EFL status and then, you know, kick on in 22-23. But we've rebuilt our squad quite well so far. It's not very deep, but if fit, it's competitive. So we're kind of like in this sort of nervous, it's okay, it's okay, we'll be all right, let's just stay in the division but maybe we might be able to compete. At the moment, I'm still in the uh, original, let's just stay in the division, let's just rebuild, regroup, and um, and anything else is, is a huge bonus. Well, I have to say in our season preview episode we did a, a couple of weeks ago, we, we were very sort of on point about the fact that you guys have had some serious off-the-seal problems. At that point, you'd already sorted out the ownership thing. We'll touch on that in a minute. Um, and, and we did say, actually, that we felt, although you're going to struggle you're probably going to be able to put together an okay squad to start the season. And if you've got any issues, you'll probably be able to bring a few players in in January to push yourselves away from trouble. We felt that Rochdale and Scunthorpe and a few others were probably in a, a worse off position than you in terms of where they were going to be this season. So I think we were always confident that you'd probably be down in the bottom half, but you'd probably be able to get yourself just about away from trouble, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's let's touch on the ownership thing then. Um it's obviously been resolved now, but can you sort of explain in like a sort of a brief sort of snippet, <laughs> if possible, what were the problems at spending time? Because I mean, looking from the outside in, it's always felt to me like there was always a bit of a, a weird situation with it. Was it Lee Power was the um, the owner, was he previously? Um, yeah. It always felt that there was something a bit odd about that whole ownership thing. But uh, if you want to try and explain it to, to our listeners, that'd be great. Yeah, Lee Power was our owner for about seven or eight years, and he came in through the back door um, when he was brought in as a, uh, an investor or a, um, someone to help out the previous owner, Jen McCrory, and somehow he crowbarred his way as, as, as to be in the owner when McCrory was forced out, and then he stayed. And there were, you know, there were good times mm-hmm. under Lee Power's uh, tenure, not necessarily in the boardroom, but certainly on the pitch. <laughs> so we got to the playoff final in 2015 got stuffed but you know we got close to the championship and there were some really quite decent players brought in because he his best friend is Tim Sherwood so we got a 
fair few Tottenham loan players and who became permanent signings like Maslowongo and Nathan Byrne. And from that side of things, things were fine. It would be completely revisionist if I said every season was miserable. Yeah. But in more recent times, more recent years, they were. So when we got relegated back into League Two in 2017, you know, there were no there were no really exciting moments. It just felt like we were, you know, stripping our assets on the field and replacing them by with players that just weren't as good and it didn't seem that there were any attempt to. Um, and then we had this weird season where Richie Wellens, who was considered a cheap option manager, got everything right, yeah. clicked. We had one of the seasons to remember. We, we went up through PPG, which, you know, puts a little less gloss on on that victory i mean to be honest i think you were always going to win that league we were going to be the top three at the very least we were going yeah. up I, I can and refuse to say that we'll go we would have gone up as champions because it was very close up there yeah. but we would have gone up top three i'm absolutely certain of that and um that kind of gave power a little bit of respite from from the pressure that some elements of the fans were giving him mm. um and then things went very very wrong when the virus hit because there were no revenue streams and things like that. So I could go on for longer and longer, but ultimately he was trying to sell the club to an American investor or company called Able. Not much is known about them. Not much is yeah. still known about them. And he wanted to put us in the administration in order to force through the sale. Um, the courts were having none of it because Clem Morfuni, our, our new owner was a minority shareholder at that point. He wanted to buy the club. So he was like, Hey, yeah. me, I want, I want yeah. to buy the club. Don't, you know, what about me? But they'd had a huge falling out beforehand. So Lee Power and Clem Wolfuni are not friends. Um, and they, <laughs> they dealt with the whole matter as if they were not friends as well. So it went through the courts. Um, Power tried a few manoeuvres to try and sneakily get Abel through the door. They didn't work at any stage. And then he gave up. When he gave up, he sort of his his loyal CEO quit. Our new manager quit. Assistant manager quit. We were left just rudderless, really, with loyal yeah. staff making sure that things were moving forward. But they were unpaid. We had eight pros. One signed and left straight away. Um, it was It was carnage, really. And it's it's hard to really sort of comprehend how well, relay how stressful that was as a fan yeah. um, until you've experienced it because we've seen it with Barry and Macclesfield and Bolton and Wigan and Plymouth and we kind of go no oh, that's a shame isn't it and then we get on yeah. with our day <laughs> but when it happens to you you just feel like you're the next in line and for a long time and over the summer even when we knew Morfuni was trying to get the uh, take over the line, you kind of thought there was going to be another twist and another turn, and there still will be. There's skeletons in the closet at Swindon Town, which the new owner will have to deal with for a regular basis. But Morfuni's in charge now. Um, we've had a very exciting last two, three weeks where we've been signing players that aren't just in just to fill the, you know, the squads. They're there for a reason. And, the Scunthorpe win gave us plenty to be optimistic about, even though Scunthorpe aren't very good. Yeah. Um, I was going to touch on the squad recruitment, but I'll come to that in a minute. I've got to ask mm. you a question about uh, a man who was in charge of you last season for a brief <laughs> period. He was also in charge of us for a brief period a couple of years ago. John Sheridan. Yeah. He's quite the divisive character, isn't he? I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, he wasn't very divisive at Swindon because we <laughs> because he was quite universally disliked um, throughout his spell. He, he wasn't the right appointment when when he came in. So I know football fans are the worst. We're ne- we've got to be 
either either hugely happy or, or disappointed. But at the time of his appointment, he was taking Wigan into League Two. You know, they they were spiralling wildly out of control, and we were in a position where no matter what Sheridan will tell you, we could have been saved. So when he when he rocked up, we weren't in the relegation zone yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there there was time and. Sheridan talks about his tenure at Swindon as if he came in in March. He came in after nine games, nine, ten games. There were 36 games left. He could have turned it around if he was motivated. It was a cushy gig for him, one that his mate sorted him out. He didn't want to be in that job, I don't think, um, but they convinced him to stay, and it was just an absolute nightmare. The The worst spell I've seen, I think. It's funny you say he, he didn't want to be in that job because he got that impression when he was in charge of Carlisle, didn't he? It was bizarre because <laughs> we went on... There was one point, I think, about start of December or end of November in his season in charge, or his half season in charge, and we lost MK Dons and there was a lot of talk he was going to walk after that game, but he didn't. Yeah. And then I think we went on like a seven-game winning streak and we were playing <laughs> good football and you can say, you know what, he's an effective manager. He's a bit of an arse, but yeah. he's an effective manager. And then we beat Oldham, his old club, 6-0 on Boxing Day. We battered them. And he came back out after the game and his post-match interview, he was miserable and he was complaining. I was like, yeah. this might happen. And then the rumours started to circle at that point that Chesterfield was sniffing after him and he, well, that's his local club, isn't it? So he dropped down a division to go to Chesterfield and well, he need to them out of the National League. So he's one of those people, I think, at some clubs he can be effective, but I have a feeling in the, the, the way his career is going now, he's effectively winding down his opportunities as a manager, I think, the way he uh, yes. He told he told the Athletic for the long read about Swindon that he was done with football. I think he he, he was saying he was going to retire. I think during his stint, he did it very similar with us. We were in a terrible run again. We got stuffed by Milton Keynes Dons. Actually, that might not be right, but he he came out to the press and said, oh, "I think I'm going to pack it in." To be honest, and then he didn't. And then we went on a two match winning run. <laughs> so, and then then it all went terribly terribly wrong. But John yeah. Sheridan had his time. And there was a, there was a period where he could be an effective lower league football manager. Um, I'm not denying him that he's done very well to have a 20 year career as a player and pretty much as a manager. You 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 know that's very very impressive. But he was done by the time he turned up at Swindon, and it was reflected in our form. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's touch on the squad recruitment then. Um, you considering it's most of it's been done, obviously, in terms of actually signing the players quite last minute. Mm. Are you pretty happy with who you've brought in? Obviously, don't, don't touch on one particular player. Cause I think we're going to touch on him in a minute. I think you know who I mean in terms of this player. But uh, in terms of the rest of them, how do you think it's uh, come together? Yeah, I'm really happy with it. Um, like I said, like we 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 made two signings before the, the, the July window reopened and one of those left. And then we didn't make another signing until the new owner was in, which was close to a month. Mm-hmm. So, and that was two weeks, three weeks before the window opened, um, before the season started. And since then, we've had like almost a daily drip of new players, which has been good. And it's been a good mix of experience and youngsters. So we've, we've, we've really dipped into the pool of the Football League of the uh, of the development leagues um, of of the Premier League two and all that stuff and we've also gone into non league and and even like development clubs academies that aren't affiliated yeah. or with others so we we really are casting a wider net than than what we have done previously so I'm really enthused by it but it's still you know we're still a few injuries away from recru- having to play the under 18s so although I'm much more confident than I was 
a month ago. I'm very happy with the recruitment thus far. All right, well, let's touch on the the one player obviously I was uh, hinting at there, Harry McCurdy. So you've signed him. <laughs> Carlisle fans know him very, very well. I'll give you my views on him in a minute, but how do you, how does it look like he's gone so far? Yeah, he, I think we're going to get a similar experience to what you guys got <laughs> and what Port Vale got. I mean, firstly, he rocked up for his unveiling in a Buzz Lightyear t-shirt. Yeah, which that, I've got that, lot, that's about right, yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of time for that. Um, but he impressed on his debut. He scored, which I think was the first time he scored in the league since he was playing for you. Yeah. Um, and also, we've had reviews that he's quite wasteful. So he played in the EFL Cup game and he should have scored. So, I mean, to be honest, what I'm describing is a typical League Two player um, mm. in my experience. But I'm, I'm fully aware that there's a personality um, red flag, which Port Vale fans let us know of. And I'm sure you'll you'll let us know. Yeah, he's a weird one, Harry. He's probably got the ability to play in the championship comfortably. The way he plays, I mean, his, his pace is incredible and his ability to dribble with the ball. I've not seen many better at our level. But as you mentioned there, there's a real issue in terms of his attitude. Um, his attitude towards the fans in particular was, was not great. I think he felt that they should have been getting more support from the fans when we were on a particularly bad run. And they weren't playing well. It's one of those ones fans don't generally get excited when the team's not playing well. So then he had a real hump on about it and he scored a goal. I think he scored a brace, in fact, against Walsall. I think it was like New Year's Eve or something like that or just before New Year's, just before the uh, the lockdown and everything kicked in. And he came on as a sub that game and he was brilliant. And he scored the winner in, night, in the night in injury time and he refused to celebrate with the fans and he made a really big point about the fact that he wouldn't celebrate the fans. And I think at that point, a lot of our fans just had enough of him. And he also bangs on a lot about going to Chelsea games and spotting Chelsea on his Instagram. And you think, are you a professional footballer or are you a football fan sometimes, the way he behaves? But look, if he, if he knuckles down, he, he could easily still have a really good career. But there's there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of red flags in terms of the way he behaves. And I'd like to think maybe he'll grow up a little bit. And maybe because he's down in Swindon now, he might think, great, it's not too far to travel to watch me beloved Chelsea. And, you know, he'll be a little bit happier about that. You never know. But the lad's got ability. I have no doubt about that. Um, whether he'll be as good as the other former Carlisle player in recent years, Jerry Yates, I'm, I'm not entirely yep. sure about that. Because I'm sure you'll agree, Jerry was a terrific player, wasn't he? Yeah, Jerry's a bit of a crossroads moment for us. Because if we keep Jerry Yates, or if we had the money to keep Jerry Yates, then I think the last year goes very differently even yeah. if the off the field stuff goes wrong um he plays he scores he was just tremendously popular inside the club and outside and it's great to see him do so well um with Blackpool now playing in the championship because Rotherham fans dismissed you know his ability and they weren't too bothered yeah. when when he was gone but he was he was a real breath of fresh air for us yeah okay well um let's sort of uh look ahead to the to the weekend's game um you started the season pretty well. I mean, I think having put together a squad at sort of almost last minute, you're probably quite happy that your first game was against Scunthorpe because mm. <laughs> they're a team that I think everyone's predicting to struggle this season. What what are you expecting for this weekend's game? Yeah, I expect the same lineup bar one. I expect only one change due to injury. Um, I wasn't sure whether I wanted Scunthorpe or not for the opening game because I wanted to see where we were at and because everybody is predicting Scunthorpe to do badly um, it's hard to see whether we were good or they were trash and this happened to us last season we beat Rochdale on the opening day comfortably 
and we went down. So, you know, it will be interesting. I, I mean, I think we'll do it, play exactly the same way um, against Carlisle for our first home game, um, which will be, I think, Wallacott and goal. We'll play four at the back um, with Hunt, Conroy, Kessler and Baldry will come out. And I think um, Huddersfield Loney called a, a Romany. Critchlow will come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Grant and Ellis Iandolo will play in the middle. And then in the sort of three attacking midfielder role, I think we'll have Gladwin Payne and McCurdy. And then Tyree Simpson up front on his own. Um, that's how I think we'll, we'll set up. I don't see any reason other than Baudry and his hamstring issue um, that, that that will change on yeah. Saturday. Okay, and to finish up, Rich, what's your new prediction for the match? I really hope, you know, this is the first game um, where we'll have a sizable crowd since um, since the last time we were in League Two. And, you know, there's going to be like TIFOs there because it's a new era for the club. And it would yeah. be really, really good if we can put on a performance. But I'm still on the back foot. So I really want to see how Swindon do against sides that can compete a little bit more. I want to see how this team plays because... You know, some of them haven't played with each other for very long. I am going to predict a win because last year I just kept on predicting losses and draws um, because we weren't very good. So I'm going to go 2 1. Um, but I, I'm weary of, of Carlisle. Always am, always will be ever since I went up there on a midweek and lost 3 0. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. 2 1 Swindon. And guaranteed that McCurdy will be one of those goal scorers. I, I hope can, so. I can, I, I absolutely hope so. guaranteed. <laughs> Cheers, Rich. Thanks. My pleasure. Okay, thanks for that chat there from Rich. Uh, lovely to hear from him. And it's nice to see there's a bit of positivity around Swindon because in, in in the preseason preview, we were quite worried for them. But it sounds like it, it might not be quite as bad as we expected possibly for them this season, Dan. Yeah, uh, they've, they've, they've acted quick in the uh, transfer market. Obviously, uh, every Carlisle fan's favourite pantomime villain got off to a flyer. Yeah. Uh, did did he actually get the goal in the end or not? He did. I watched it on Quest, and he, it was his goal. Definitely. Yeah, because because some of the score sites had one of his teammates. Yeah, but uh, not always the most reliable. Some of those are they? So. No, no. But uh, and well, we'll talk about it when we come to predictions. But you just know the script, don't you? Oh, of course you do. Of course you do. And uh, like you said, they've made a few signings of someone. We'll touch on those in just a minute. First up, um, so let's sort of. Uh, cover the officials first and the referee this weekend is Mr. Carl Brook from East Sussex this is his second season at EFL referee um had a bit of reputation in the National League for handing out a lot of red cards I think a couple of seasons in a row I think he handed out like nine and ten red cards um but actually his first season at EFL referee he's handed out 100 yellow cards but only three red cards in the 28 games he took charge of He's never previously refereed a United game. This is his first time he's refereed us. He took charge of Tranmere's 1-0 win over Walsall last weekend where he handed out a bit of a controversial red card for Rovers. I say controversial. I watched it on the Quest highlights and it looked a blatant red card to me. It looked a bit reckless, but they did appeal it and the, the appeal was unsuccessful. So so there you go. In terms of head-to-head, uh, United have won 12 of the fixtures between the clubs. 21 have ended in the draw and Swindon have won 15 of them. Um classic game and this is a belter one this one wasn't it Dan I think it was one of those because it was just so unexpected wasn't it yeah absolutely yeah it's weird because it's we talked last week about that brilliant run we went on this was like a precursor to it wasn't it it was because it was actually before that MK Don's game we mentioned where 
Sheridan was basically threatening to walk. Yeah. It was actually a few a couple of weeks before that. Um, we, we we went down to the county ground and took an early lead through Ashley Dallison. It was a great little counter-attack, actually. Devitt set Sowerby away down the the right. Oh my God, you're naming all these players now. It, makes, it feels bad, doesn't it? Because you think how good yeah. that team was, not it? All got took apart in January, didn't it? So yeah, he set up Sowerby, put a nice ball on Addison. Hang, hang, hang on, hang on. were all staying. <laughs> Our director of football said they were staying. Yeah, of course they were. Of course they were. It didn't happen though, did it? Uh, yeah, so he set up Madison and he, he kind of scuffs the shot, actually, when you look back at it. I'll put the YouTube highlights up on the on our Twitter feed, but he kind of scuffs it and you kind of see he stops and watches it like, oh, is that going to go wide? But it clips the post and goes in. Um, Swinning then had a good go at it for the rest of the first half, but couldn't get a goal back. And second half, we just stepped up a gear and took them apart, essentially. Um, the... Second goal, um, it was on a long ball forward from Gary Liddell. It was nodded down by Nadison and Regan Slater was on the stretch, wasn't he? But he, he sort of sliced volleys it into the top corner. It's an absolutely brilliant finish. Really, really good. And then you've got the third goal, which ugh, Jamie Devitt free kick. How we miss them, don't we? He just steps up, curls it into the top corner. Wonderful finish. And the fourth goal was a, a another sort of counter-attack goal. Hallam Hope wins the ball brilliantly deep in the, uh, sort of on the halfway line, actually, sorry. Um, he sets it away and uh, finds Slater and he beats two men on the edge of the box and absolutely hammers it into the bottom corner. Never really saw that from Slater in any of the other games, did we? He was, uh, no, no, it was, he, he was very defensive for us, wasn't he? And he sort of popped up with this great little goal. You're like, what, Regan Slater? That's, what's going on here? Yeah, obviously he had a good good season last season at um, Hull City by all accounts as well. So yeah, that mm. was the fourth goal. And it was a resounding win. The other game I did look at, I nearly picked, was a, a game back in, I think it was 2011, where we beat them 1-0. It was just after Charlie Austin had left them. And James Berrett scored an absolute world in that game. It's a sort of into the top corner from about 25, 30 yards. Brilliant. I'll stick that one up as well, just so you can all see that. Uh, okay, play for both, Dan. So you always do this bit. You pick a player out. So who do you pick this time? Well, I've gone back to a player who was born in 1962 in Lewisham. Uh, He started at Irvlinborough Diamonds, who obviously were part of the Russian and Diamonds set-up. He then went to Kettering Town, where at one point he was the youngest player to ever play in the FA Cup. Which is interesting because he's a goalkeeper and it's Scott Endersby. Ah. Uh, and uh, Scott Endersby obviously started at, uh, like say, this appearance for Kettering in the Cup. He was picked up by Ipswich. We didn't really play for them. Ipswich were massive at the time. Yeah, this was beautiful. When, when they had their real sort of glory years. Mm. And uh, he, uh, he went to Tranmere. He had a couple of good seasons at Tranmere. And then uh, he went to Swindon mm. uh, for a couple of years. He signed for Carlisle in November 85, initially on loan, and uh, made the move permanent. And uh, a bit like myself, his first two seasons saw two, well, his two seasons saw two relegations. <laughs> so, uh, but he, from my limited memory, bearing in mind my age back then, he, he wasn't a bad keeper, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, after us, he moved on to York for three years. Uh, sort of started petering out the number of games he played. He'll have been, you know, he's, 
think he, I think he finished playing quite young. I'm just looking here. It looks as if he was only about 28, 29. But uh, no, he was he was a decent keeper, Endersby. And in some classic sort of detective work, I can reveal that he now... Where is it? I'm just pulling it up. Organised as ever. <laughs> he now helps run a pub in Yorkshire. Oh, we'll have to go there before the Harrogate game. Yeah, um, where, where was it again? I've, right, I've got it here. It is the Book Inn in Pickering in North Yorkshire. Oh, so if you're, if you're heading down to the Harrogate game at the end of the season... Pop in there, get yeah. some scrum. And the, be- the best was, I think it was on a, a Where Are They Now for one of the teams he played for, and it, there was a Scott Endersby page, and you could sign in with any spottings of him, and he signed him himself. <laughs> I am now the chef owner of a village restaurant in North Yorkshire. I have three children, two stepchildren, and three grandkids and four step-grandkids. Oh. My second wife for the last 30 years is Barbara, and she runs the front of house. Brilliant. Scott Endersby, and that, that was only last Lovely. year, just prior to COVID, so my my inquiries seem to suggest he still has the pub, so... Oh, I hope he has. We, we could organise a Scott Endersby party in the pub without him knowing. Oh, fantastic, yeah. yeah. Well, he, he seemed to do quite well at Swindon. He, I think he won Player of the Season in one of the years he was there, wasn't mm. he, I think, from what I can gather. 1984, he was their Player of the Season, so... Yeah, and this, this is a time when we were, like, you know, championship teams, so... Yeah. Fantastic. You know, there's a massive list of players who've played for both, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, it's quite a long list. I, I'm not I'm not 100% convinced it's the entire list. I just didn't have time to go through because I basically I searched through Wikipedia and the players who are listed as having played for Swindon Tower and pick out the ones I recognise and some yeah, of them yeah, might. Yeah. I'm not 100%. The Sheffield one was a nightmare because I kept thinking, did he play for Sheffield? No, he played for Sheffield Wednesday, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was the kind of thing. Um, so yeah, here we go. Graham Anthony, obviously he was mentioned in, in the week, wasn't he? Because he played for Sheffield United. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Troy Archibald Henville. Uh, there's, there's, there was a player like a player who would, should never have been playing at a level, but for his dodgy knees, wasn't he? Um, I love this one. He, one of the uh, the many players he played under Roddy, wasn't he? Towards the start, or was it? Or was it under Atkins? Actually, I can't remember which one he was. Austin Berkeley. Austin Berkeley. That's the one. He was at Shrewsbury yeah. Town, I think, early in his career. He was quite popular there as a winger. Uh, Less said about the next one, Canice Carroll. More on more, him in a minute. More actually. on him later, yeah, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Lewis Clayton, I think he played for us just after the Second World War. Uh, Bobby Colvin, I think uh, I think he might have been 80s, possibly. I'm not 100% on him. but um, Oh, he's, he's a great one coming up. Another one of the one-game wonders. Miguel Cominguez came in. Everyone was quite excited about him signing, wasn't they? Because remember him being really good for Swindon against us. He was not good for us in that cup game against Tamworth, was he? He no, was absolutely no. awful. He came off at half time, didn't he? I think for yeah. Tom Cruise, I seem to remember. Um, here's one that people maybe not don't remember Stuart Elliott. He's one I think he played under Roddy, didn't he? I think towards yeah. the start, I mean, about seven or eight games or something like that. He, if you go on his Wikipedia page and look at his career, I think he played for about something like 30 different clubs or something like that. He basically he dragged his non-league career out. Fair play to him. He clearly liked playing football. He wasn't just there for the money because if he were just there for the money, you would not have played for some of those clubs he played for. Yeah. It's fair to say. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Scott Endersby already. Steve Finney. Um, but I also, he was quite a local lad, wasn't he? Was he born in Hexham or somewhere like that, I think? Uh, lives in Penrith these days, Steve Finney. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. Um, Joe Fryer, obviously, only played a handful of games for us, sadly, and he got his broken leg. But uh, Russell luck for him. Uh, don't know who this next guy is, Jimmy Glass. Never heard of him. Never, Never heard, heard of him. him. Uh, Mike Graham, 
Um, you might remember, was he playing yeah. towards the start of your following the club? Yeah, right back. I think he was from, was he from Kendall or lived in Kendall. Yeah, possibly. I think he might have been from Lancaster or somewhere like that, possibly. Yeah. But um, Mike Greller, uh, who's uh, Mrs. had a lot of lovely comments to say about Carlisle by all accounts when he was on yeah, with us. Yeah. Uh, Stan Harland, probably one of the best players to play for both clubs, I would say. Um, Hallam Hope, one of the more recent ones. Jake Jervis. Had a hell of a goal ratio for us, didn't he? Was it three goals in five games? Yeah. His yeah. Looked a good but Is he playing in Finland now? Something like that, I think. Last I checked, I seem to remember. Um, Frank Large, another great player who's played for both clubs. Uh, Alan Mays. He's one, I think, from the early 80s or maybe late 80s. I'm not 100%. don't know if you recognise that name, Dan. Well, I've no, heard I didn't, of it. I didn't recognise his name when I saw it. Uh, Neil McDermott. <laughs> I remember him, he was under Neil McDonald, he played. Um, he's Neil McDermott. McDermott is also an agent of one of our players now. Is he? I won't say who, though. Okay, okay. John Paul McGovern. We mentioned him, obviously, uh, early in the week in terms of talking about Sheffield United, because he played for both as well. I still think he's one of my favourite players of recent years. Real quality footballer, wasn't he? You could see he had real ability. Uh, the pantomime villain himself, Harry McCurdy. Alan O'Brien, probably the fastest player I've ever seen play for Carlisle. Fast? He just didn't know what to do no, with it. He didn't. He, that, that goal he scored in his day against yeah. Bristol Rose, you're like, bloody hell, he, we've got a player here. The next one's a good one, isn't it? Yes, absolutely belter. Sean O'Hanlon, what a, Sean, what a player. But just basically about four or five games he played with a bandage on his head and blood coming yeah. out, didn't he? And when was, it, was that game against Burton where he had to go off in the end and... He was outstanding that night for the half to an hour, 20 minutes or so he played. Yeah, he? he just yeah. won everything. And I seem to remember there was a game against Shrewsbury as well, I think it was, that we both went to, where he scored an e- uh, what we thought was going to be the winner and then they scored an equaliser right from the kickoff. Was it 2-2? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he was belting that night as well. Re- a player was really unlucky to play in such a poor Cal United team because I think if he played in a decent team, he'd, he'd be much more fondly remembered, I think, because he was a good player. Uh, your favourite, Dan, Billy Painter? Up next, he played for Sheffield United as well. So it's a few that are quite similar this week. Uh, next player, I think, is a player we let go far too easily and should have done a bit more with. Lee Peacock. Big favourite, man. I really liked him when he was a young When man. he wanted to be a footballer. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, once he left us, he did, didn't he? <laughs> he suddenly yeah. got, maybe getting away from Cumbria was probably the best thing for him. There you go. Uh, big Vincent Pericard. He's obviously played for both. Couple of Smiths next. Grant Smith. Again, one we mentioned in terms of Sheffield United earlier in the week. And Martin Smith didn't even realise he'd been there. Um, one player some people might forget, John Sutton, who played for us. I, I really like Sutton. I think he was a good player when he was on loan. Just wasn't, didn't really have the goal threat at that point, did he? But Yeah, carved a decent career off the road in Scotland, didn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, again, another one mentioned earlier in the week, Paul Furwell. He played for, I think, a short loan spell at Swindon Town. Uh, Harry Worley, one of the one-game wonders again. And finally, Jerry Yates, of course. Is uh, someone who's very uh, done very well at both clubs, and uh, finally, obviously, mentions uh, before John Sheridan managed both clubs. Although I've got a couple more to throw in. It's, I think it's a stretch to say John Sheridan managed Swindon Town, really, based on who who was being caretaker manager of both teams. Uh, Neil, Mc- no, no, Neil McDonald, doesn't is he? Oh, no. Tommy Wright, Tommy Wright, yeah, yeah, good show, and uh, played many games for Carlisle. And was manager for a bit, John Gorman. John Gorman, of course. Yes, he was involved in Sweden Town, wasn't he? I forgot mm. about that. Oh. There you go. That's two good shouts there, Dan. Um, okay, let's look at Sweden Town then briefly, Dan. Um, was looking pretty bleak for them over the summer, wasn't it? But the takeover saga finally been resolved last month. 
seems to really given a huge lift to the club and the fans, doesn't it? The, the way when you read what they're talking about online, they don't seem to be too worried about going down at the very least now, do they? No, no, they're, they're starting to sign players. You know, they'll be, the buzz will be back for the fans. The fans will be right up for it. You know, and I think considering the summer they've had, the fans will give them a chance. Yeah. They won't get on the back straight away because they're not going to click instantly. I know they not started well last week, but they were only playing Scunthorpe. But, mm. you know, and I, I know uh, the lad from the pod sort of would have preferred a stronger opposition to yeah. sort of went, which is probably what you could say we are because we're, we're quite a stable team yeah. at the moment. So, yeah, definitely. You know, it's. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the new owner, Clem Morphini, I saw something today. He was driving a, a truck around Swindon trying to cruise <laughs> people to, to sign up season tickets and he was selling the season tickets at the club offices. That is so something Michael Knighton would do, isn't uh, it? It's that, and it's the kind of thing an owner does when they come in and they, they're they a bit of a showman and they want to impress them. If, if I ever win the Euro Millions and buy the club, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you get a giant... going to drive around in a blue and, blue and white truck. <laughs> up the blues <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay good money to see that um, yeah so he's moved quickly though to support head coach Ben Garden putting together a squad in time for the start of the season they've signed 11 players now and I think when we talked a couple of weeks ago they'd only signed about 3 or 4 haven't they so they've clearly yeah, yeah. been very busy over the last week and it's been a bit sort of mixed bag of players they've signed hasn't it it's you know there's a few players from under 23 teams some from those sort of unaffiliated academies like you know the Nike Academy I don't think it is the yeah, Nike Academy it's yeah. similar ones to that um, so yeah, they've they've moved quite quickly to support uh, Garner. So obviously, Garner's a bit, bit of a risky appointment. We think we we agreed, didn't we, in the season preview in terms of mm. the situation they're in, bringing a relatively unexperienced head coach in, someone who's well well thought of though. Jose Mourinho apparently mentored him for a short while, and he's been yeah, involved at yeah. West Brom and Palace and a few other clubs, hasn't he? Yeah, but it, at the same time, on the flip, it might you know with a new buzz, it, it might work for him, you know. Especially he's bringing a lot of these young players in who've not yeah. really been at proper football clubs before. They might be more receptive to him coming up with these new ideas. So actually, in the flip side, it might actually work for them. It might be quite a, a clever move rather than bringing an experienced head in who brings these players in from these academies and actually finds that they don't know what he's talking about. They're, they're a bit terrified of a, you know, sort yeah. of a Sheridan type shouting them and stuff. And I think they've obviously got a director of football there, Ben Chorley. I think from he was quite a good defender back in the day, wasn't he? I think at a few clubs and yeah, yeah, yeah he was, he was a proper non no nonsense from yeah. I think he started he started at Arsenal. I seem to remember. I think he was possibly yeah, Arsenal. but I don't think he really made it there. No, did he? he didn't make it there, but I think he he, he did pretty well as a lower league defender. Um, so yeah, I'll be interested to see how he gets on over the season. He was at Milton Keynes for a bit, wasn't he? That was he was one. at Orient right. for a good while as well. Yes, you're absolutely right there. Yeah, yeah I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Starman, we, we avoided picking the obvious one that you all think we were going to pick. Uh, we've gone for Ben Gladwin. Um, he's returned to the club this summer from MK Dons. It's his fourth spell at Swindon Town. He brings a lot of experience to that side, doesn't he, I think? And I think their fans were all talking about, you know, he, he, how excited they were to see him coming back to the club and... Then I think did he score on the opening day? I seem to remember. I think he maybe scored a penalty, possibly. Um, so you know, I think he's a player they're looking to to do good things for them. I think he might have an injury though, so he might miss out this weekend. Run one hundred percent on that one. Um, other key, key, other key squad members, I should say, uh, in a squad that's been thrown together fairly late. I think experience and flair are going to be the key, aren't they? Bit of experience and a little bit of flair in there just to try and create chances for them. So the obvious. 
free in terms of experience. Matthew Baudry has been around the block, hasn't he? Yeah, it's fair yeah. to say. And Dion Conroy at centre back. They're they're the vice captain and the captain. I think it helps as well that they were at the club last season. As much as you know, they went down and they struggled. Having two players there who know each other and maybe have a good understanding early on yeah, in the season yeah, probably yeah. do them a lot of good. As will having Anthony Grant back at the club. He actually left in the summer. But the previous owner let him go with a lot of other players. That's, that, that's a solid player in the middle of the park, isn't he's, it? Yeah, he's 34 and he's very much the elder statesman in the team and he's the one that they're going to look to, aren't they, to, to sort of guide a lot of those young players. Yeah. Speaking of young players, I mean, we've got to mention him, haven't we? He's not too young. Yeah, you're right there, to be fair. What, 24 now? Harry uh, McCurdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 24 and a half now. Harry McCurdy, um, look, we, we all know he's got flaws and we say this every time, don't we? But he's got undoubted quality and if they can get him to click, he'll terrify defenders at this level, won't he? Yeah, I mean, we saw it, albeit briefly, when he's in the mood, such as that Cardiff replay at home, yeah. he's the best player on the park, full stop. Yeah. If he kicks the sulking... He'll do it more. Yeah, exactly. That's what he needs he, to do. The word enigma is probably suited for him. Absolutely. And the thing is, well, he, he's got such such pace mind, but his dribbling ability is incredible because the ball sticks. You yeah, see some yeah. players who are quick. I mean, I watched Toure on Tuesday night and he was tracking back at one point and he was bombing down to get back to win the ball. Really good. But then you put the ball at his feet, he's not quite as quick. He doesn't quite have that pace. Whereas McCurdy, he put the ball at his feet and he's got the pace. He can beat his man. So if they can get the best out of him, I think he's a really, really good signing for them. But as I said when talking to the Swindon guy, this is his last chance alone, basically. If he doesn't do it at Swindon, he's got a non-league career and he can get get back to following Chelsea Chelsea full-time. He wasn't at the the Super Cup last night. No, I think that would have been a bit of a a trek to go all the way to to Belfast to watch that, wouldn't it, I think, for him. Um... Open up the season, as I mentioned there before, with a good 3-1 win at Scunthorpe. As we said, I think actually most of their fans would be quite pleased to start with that game because the way I would look at it if I was them was we got three points on the board. It's confidence, it's Confidence goals. into the team, a bit of a buzz. Decent result, decent performance by all accounts, sorry, against uh, Cambridge midweek. Lost on penalties, but you know, Cambridge that's, were champions. That's no shame, is it? Yeah, Cambridge were champions of this division last season. So you know, apparently McCurdy fluffed a couple of easy chances in that game, so... Just show he's, he is fallible. Um, so yeah, that, that's Swindon Town. Uh, let's quickly cover United then, Dan, before we get on to predictions. Um, key thing is we just need to start scoring goals, don't we? And yeah. what, what, One for results and two for our competition. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And would you change things up front? Would you maybe mix it up from last week? We're, we're presuming that we're mostly going to go back to the team that played against Colchester. I think we're sort of in agreement with that, as the, well as the, the lads who came in did. The first question is... Is Clough fit? If Clough's yeah. fit, he'll play. Yeah. If not, what do you do? Do you stick with the team that played against Colchester or do you maybe tweak it slightly? For me, I probably would tweak it slightly. Yeah, I think I would too. I think obviously if we sign a striker tomorrow, I'd probably put him straight into the team. Whatever happens, I think I'd just have a go at it and see if he's, if he's a sort of goal scorer. Let's see if he can get on the end of chances. In terms of changes I'd make, I'd probably drop one of Abraham's or Alessandra. I'd probably maybe bring in Toure. Freshen mm. it up. Maybe someone who's going to run at players. As, as I said earlier, who'd be, who'd be a, a manager? No, it's tough, isn't it? I'd, I just don't I just don't get the impression that front three is going to score. 
as good as they are as individual players, I don't feel I've got that confidence right now in them. It's still early, early days. Though. Early days, though. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Let's get some uh, cheesy pundit comments in. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Early um, days. He'll be hitting the back of the net soon. Yes, indeed. And we've got the, the makings of a good partnership in McDonald and Wheeling, yeah, as well as Feeney playing in midweek. Yeah, I don't think you'd break that up, would you? I think you'd stick with them for now. And let's let's see if they can work together and build that understanding. Who's to say we might not play three at the back and play all three central defenders? Possibly, but I think I'd stick with the four for now, personally. Um, okay, well, I think that's covered that bit, Dan. I don't think there's much point in going to death. We covered a lot of it in the, the match review stuff, really, didn't yeah. we? So there you go. Uh, so let's do predictions, Dan, then. Uh, you can go first. So what are you going to predict? So what, uh, Score and scorers. I'll go for a one-all draw. Solid points on the road. Yeah. And for our goal, I'm going to go for our as-yet-unnamed signing who's going to come in. Oh, that's that's cheating, that. I, no, I can't, can't be having that. I'm not... I, uh, I, I can't say his name. name in case he's not coming here. Well, if he doesn't sign, who are you going to pick? Clough. If Clough. fit. If fit, okay. And for Swindon, oh, he's only yeah. one player scoring, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. That doesn't count towards the thing, by the way. Way no, more scores, we no. don't count, but that's just a bit of fun. Probably um, best as uh, Buzz Lightyear or something while he yeah. scores. Yeah, he'll, he'll definitely do the old uh, shushing to our fans at the Oh, yeah, least. and uh, the guns. Indeed, indeed. Uh, in terms of my prediction, I'm going to be a bit more confident here. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Um, like I said, McCurdy will score for them. But I think for us, Mellish will get a goal. And uh, give me Torrey. Give me Torrey, I'll get the other goal. I think he'll come on and get the get the winner. There you go. Let's give you Mike's predictions. He sent them in to me. Uh, I've not heard this yet, so I don't know what it is. So what's Mike got to say for himself? I am going to go for a 2-1 win to the Blues with Riley and Mellish as our scorers because I cannot predict our front three, so I'm best just picking midfielders. Well, there you go. He's picked uh, n- n- nearly the same as mine. He went for yeah. Riley instead, though. So right, There you go. So that's our predictions. Um, I don't know what we've done in terms of point scoring yet. I need to go back and look at what we predicted for the crowds because that's the only thing we've got to work on last week, isn't it, for the yeah. home one? So I think you might have nicked that one, actually. I think you went for low 6,000, didn't you? And I think I went for 6, 7, so it's going to be close, I think. All right, well, let's get, get on to the X-Files before I finish up here, Dan. Um, not a huge amount to cover, some interesting bits, though. No, not loads. Uh, Cole Stockton, though. Oof. Two goals away to Ipswich, and then one at Blackburn in the Cup. Would you have him back at Car United now? <laughs> uh, yeah. I probably would because he's it's scoring funny, goals. The first thing you think, ah, and then you think about it, you think, well, no, yeah, of course I would. When you yeah, watch him yeah. playing, he doesn't look like the player who played for us. He yeah. really, really doesn't. He looks a hell of a good player now. Yeah. Uh, this week's opponents, uh, Swindon, in their game at Scunthorpe, uh, as we said, Harry McCurdy scored for them. Yeah. But uh, Ryan Loft scored Scunthorpe's goal. It was a penalty, wasn't it? Hell of a penalty, yeah. isn't he? Absolutely hammered it to the top corner. Really good yeah. penalty. Yeah. We've got a couple of, in, well, a goal and a red card in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, Callum Higginbottom scored for Kelty again against Sterling. They're going to walk that league. They've had a good start. For the They're going to walk that league. All these teams that come up are going to walk it. Yeah. Because now Scottish law football's getting in order. There's going to be a lot of regular teams disappear. Because they've but, been dross for years, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Jordan Marshall got sent off versus Celtic. Yeah, ex-youth team player, wasn't he? Even yeah. No, he went, well, we had Granger at the time, so he went to yeah. Queen of the South, and he's, uh, he's he's doing all right for himself in Scotland. Yeah. He's one of those players that you wouldn't mind back here in time. 
No. Uh, Chris Elliott got subbed in that game as well. I think he got torn apart by the, the Japanese lad that Celtic have signed. He didn't have a great game by all accounts. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, Shamal George was in the official EFL League 2 team of the week. Of course he was. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, not not many goals in the League Cup midweek. Uh, Josh Morris got two for Salford at Derby. I think one was possibly a penalty from yeah. memory. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Proctor scored for Port Vale against Sunderland. Yeah. And uh, James Chester got an own goal against Fleetwood Town. For Stoke City, that was it. Yeah. And uh, that that's it. There wasn't too many over the yeah. the two lots. Uh, not many transfers either. I'll, I'm going to do it in two parts here. The first a couple of them, Canice Carroll has gone back to Oxford yeah. City from yeah. Queen's Park, <laughs> having obviously been at Oxford United at one point. Yeah. And, That's uh, a real fall from Grace, yeah. isn't it, really, his career. And Sean Miller must be winding down because he's uh, signed for Nantwich Town. Yeah, it's quite a drop down, but you imagine he's probably made a bit of money in his career, maybe invested in something or got a yeah, career enough. set up now. So. He's probably, he will probably be maybe doing a bit of coaching or something, but yeah. will be by far Nantwich's best played. And then we've got two. Uh, one played for us, one we didn't sign on trial I still maintain to this day we would be in the championship now if we'd uh, <laughs> played these two up front Sam Cosgrove has, he's gone from Birmingham already this is weird isn't it he's gone to Shrewsbury on loan there was a few clubs in for him wonder if uh, he's gone to Shrewsbury because the, maybe for a little bit more direct under well, very direct isn't yeah. he I mean, him, and, him and Bowman up front that's a strong partnership isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to be fair Birmingham a bit of a mess at the moment, I think, aren't they? There's a few issues there. I, think, I saw some talk that, are they going to have to play a couple of games at the Rico Arena or something? Because there's issues with their stands or something. <laughs> that's bizarre, because Coventry were playing yeah. at Birmingham. Apparently two know. of the stands are gammy. Yeah, that's And they can, only have, they can only have 5,000 season tickets in, in the other stands. But, uh, and the other one, uh, the trialist I mentioned, Lauren Shankland, yeah. who uh, scored goals for fun, has signed for a German old beer shot in Belgium yeah. for one million from Dundee United. And, uh, kind of a weird move, isn't it? But fair play to the lad. There must be some because uh, Cosgrove nearly went to Fingy in France, didn't he? Gwynham. Yeah, some weird transfers so, sometimes, yeah. don't you? And one other piece, I mean, I'm, I was never his biggest fan, but uh, we obviously offer best wishes to Keith Curl, who's tested yes. positive for COVID. Yeah, so I imagine that means he's probably not involved at the moment for them, I guess. Yeah. No, no, he won't be. Yeah. Well, he's start of the season. Yeah, yeah best wishes to Keith. Um, and that's it, Dan, I think, isn't it? Um, thanks once again to our sponsors, the London Branch, for sponsoring the second half of the show. Just to remind everyone, you can subscribe to the podcast and all good podcast apps. Just search for Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then every time we put an episode out, it goes straight into your little inbox. Um, and yeah, just... Remember as well to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Brunton Bugle or we've got a Facebook page, Brunton Bugle. And um, also we're always on the Be Justin Fear Not Facebook group, aren't we? Posting on there and a lot of good crack on there. Really recommend you join. It's about 2,200 members of that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah really well it's a really, really good little uh, place to follow the blues. Um, and obviously we're also posting on the Cumbrians.net uh, message board quite regularly as well. Um in terms of upcoming episodes, we've got a match review preview site for the Port Vale game. We'll get that recorded at some point in the weekend. We're going to have a chat with the guys from the, uh, I think it's the One Vale Fan podcast as well. Um, we'll probably review the Swindon game in that one as well, just to cover it off. Um, and then we've got a 
preview for the Orient game, we'll be talking to our long-lost uh, family in the Ella Lowdown podcast. We spent a hell of a lot of time talking to last season, about five times I think I spoke to them. Yes. Um, I think a couple of them are coming up to the game, actually, Dan, so maybe we have to try and meet up with them for a beer and yeah, uh, thank yeah. you for coming on. Um, and yeah, that's what we'll be doing next week. And then finally, because we've got a quiet week after that, there's no midweek game, we'll get your CFC 11 episode out done. It's about bloody time, isn't it? Yeah. I've been yeah. sitting on that one for a while, but it's, it's a good episode. It's a really cracking listen, so I'll get that one out too. Dan, thanks for your time as ever. No worries. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back next week. Up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.